This is Nick Flanagan Weekly. I have recovered from my sick cold, sickness cold. Uh, somewhat. I'm still coughing, actually, and you can probably hear in my voice that this is what's up. Welcome to Nick Flanagan Weekly. This is the podcast I host. Generally, I do like a bunch of solo episodes, but a lot of the times, it's just been hard lately, the last few months. I don't know. Things, I'm feeling busy, but like overwhelmed in the busyness. How are you doing in December? Are you all right? Uh, it's a crazy time, November, December, cold, dark. Even if you're in California, you're like, this is worse than usual. Oh, I'm going to just drink my, um, Laquaz very last year. So I don't actually know what the drink of this year is, but if you know you're in California and you can tell me what the drink of this year is, I'll insert that clip into this. I'll record it and reinsert it into this episode. I had to leave in a few minutes, so I'll be quick. This episode is an interview, uh, somewhat a conversation with my buddy, Matt Hutch, who provided me with pop screen, microphone, lots of fun stuff. He was very helpful in this podcast kind of coming along. If you listen to the New York episode recorded with the Samson microphone that he gave me, uh, so yeah, we were in a band called Team Card Combo together. He's had groups uh, ranging from, his current group is called Cat Pacino. He is a really talented guy and uh, he's great guitarist, interesting dude, and we had a talk. We were in a band together when I was 17. We put out an album called Judgment Night Soundtrack Part 2. People in Portugal have told me they like it. People in Russia have told me they like it. Are you in Russia listening to this? Cool. That's really cool. Anyway, check out Cappuccino. That's C-A-T-P-A-C-H-E-E-N-O. We'll have a link to their music in the show notes. And of course, if you want to support the podcast, liking it on Facebook, reviewing it, uh, subscribing is huge, rating it five stars really helps. And even more than that, if you want to go to co-fi, that's ko-fi.com, coffee.com, uh, throw me a dollar or two and I will include you on a premium level and you'll get little bonuses. Same with patreon.com, which has different tiers, so different gifts, special gifts. Um, yeah, patreon.com slash Nick Flanagan, ko-fi.com slash Nick Flanagan. Uh, I'm going to do another little ad in the middle of this and... Uh, I'll let you know what I would use said money you'd be supporting the podcast with for. But for now, here it is, my talk with Matt Hutch. You could always have it on two separate because then later I think on, the we'll, next thing you could... We'll probably be okay. You sound all right in the, the headphones, so I'm just going to assume we're all good here. Right. Welcome. Today's guest, Matt Hutch. Hi. Matt Hutch, sometimes you have a mustache. Yeah, not, not lately. I'm 20 not years ago, we were in a band together. Business-like lately. Called Team Card Combo. People in Italy have said they like the band to me. Apparently, a man in Russia sent a link so to the app. Yours. That's yours. All of that is yours. He's drinking tea, friends. Thank you, friends. How's the tea? Mm. Oolong. What's the tea? It's either peppermint or oolong. You're in my first truly ambitious musical expedition. That's and right. Are you a musical... Uh, did you go to music school? Yes, I did. I started uh, playing piano when I was three. 
Were you good? Yeah. Not a three, but maybe around eight. I started getting good. <laughs> so you had a band <laughs> called Slit Slot. Yeah, we had a band called Slit Slot a long time ago. What was the band before Slit Slot? That was, um, I've had many bands. It was probably Aqua Velva. Aqua Velva. That's, yeah. that, that was, was the lot. band was you like were in when we brought you into uh, um, Team Crud Combo. Yeah, that would have been the 80s for sure. The band that we were in together. And then after, now it's Cat Pacino. Can we talk about the name? Can we talk about really all of the names of your bands? First with Aqua Velva. <laughs> okay, well, hold on. We have to, uh, what, why don't we go back to before um, uh, Aqua Velva? Because uh, Aqua Velva. I've kind of been playing in bands. Probably, so you're in a band called Aqua Velva. Kind of, I've probably been playing in bands probably since like 84. Wow, the year punk broke for really the real year punk broke. Yeah, that was um. You got to remember too is that uh, during that time in Toronto, uh, we we were allowed to sneak in the club, so we used to go see like Poison Idea, Symphony, mm, Jerry uh, A. Yeah, we used to go see Pig Gnostic Champion Front at Vinny Stigma Club. We used to go see the accused. Remember them? No, the recu- the recu- the accused. The accused. I never saw the accused, oh, but yes, I know who you're talking about. Uh, Good band. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who else did we see? We actually we we saw a lot of shows at the Sonic Temple. Nice. Like Slayer Motorhead. So many great <laughs> venues back <laughs> in the day. There was even one big show that we actually. What about uh? Did remember? Uh, I don't know if you were old enough, but um. Fugazi, I was Fugazi at the Rivoli. No, no, no. that's <laughs> no, like 1989 or something. Yeah, I know what you're talking about, but these great shows yeah. wasn't there. So no, yeah, I didn't go to shows until 1993. Yeah, Toronto was pretty. And I was thirteen. Back. Yeah, you were you were a little bit younger, right? So yeah, I kind of missed that one era of amazing. Yeah, shows. Edgewater Hotel, Drake Hotel, Apocalypse Club, Larry's Hideaway. And you know what? What was Sonic probably Temple. the greatest show was Concert Hall. Nope, the Dwarves at the Opera. Nope, they played at that underground. Um, the Edgewater. Nope. When I tell you, it'll be uh, the what's that hotel down there on uh, Drake Street? Hotel? Drake Hotel downstairs. Back in the day, the Drake Hotel wasn't a hoity-toity fancy hotel. Perhaps some of my more upscale listeners outside of Canada are thinking, wow, Drake Hotel, I went there. It was like a, uh, uh, a, a, a issue of um, Vanity was, Fair was, come to life. It wasn't like a... But it was a dive. House I don't know what it was. I know when I got wheeled around on a stroller by my late father in uh, as a child... We would pass the Drake Hotel, and there was like a sh- uh, play that was going on, uh, where it was all naked people, like a naked man and woman. That was probably the Dwarf show. No, <laughs> but I I listened to the Dwarves the other day, and it was it was really good. And it wasn't even like one of those like hard Dwarves albums. It was like one of their like poppy albums. Oh, like the future. The Dwarves were a major influence on Team Chord Combo. By the way, Team Chord Combo was a band. Uh, had a lot of different people in it. Jamie Towns, who is living in Newfoundland and uh, was in Anti-Flag for a time That's and uh, Countdown to Oblivion, lots of good bands. And uh, Matt, uh, and you were the second guitarist in the band. And Marky and Christine and M- Mark Jarrett. And of course, Allison Baker, who is uh, alumni of this show. She's been That's a right. guest. And uh, she was all about the dwarves back in the day. She, I don't think she was at that show you're talking about. No, but she, she was at the same show where, which was the second dwarf show in Toronto, which was at the, I think it was the Opera House. Are there bands like that still? 
the dwarves yeah like you know now you can't really well, do a band can do that anymore really because that was like if you remember the first album cover where it was the two the uh dwarf with the naked girls and the that was that was their i don't know if was it was the, their or... first album was like tooling for lucifer's crank oh, maybe, which was yeah. like a comp thank him for little girls and yeah but that i think yeah thank heaven for little girls that was after that that was blood guts and pussy was their first one yes and it yeah. was a dwarf covered in blood and a naked lady or two yeah. and uh, very, then very, they also faked album. the death of one of their members and uh, they basically shot their entire career uh, to be a major uh, group to, to uh, in the foot. But at that time, they were very influential. Yeah, and I do remember um, when they when it was actually he who could not be named who they faked his death. Yes, and it was for their guitar the record deal. But then he just came back on tour the next year. And did it. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, sorry, I'm alive now. Thank and you. everybody was mad at the dwarves. I was mad. I was happy because I, I I ran in. I think I was talking to him. He used to wear a mask all the time, even uh, when he wasn't playing. He yeah, wasn't I never knew if they were like cool with the rest of the Seattle scene or if they they were sort of hated by the other sub pop groups. You know, because uh, they were just uh, um, scummy, and they had like songs about. I mean, the guy's name was Black Dahlia, so it was obviously. Yeah. There was sort of this idea of like Hollywood sleaze and blood guts and having sex. Super fast, right? They were very fast. I mean, I also think at that era, one of the reasons our band was the way we were, which was like very fast, but with like punky-ish songs, was because like Zeke and the Dwarves were one of the only bands that was like bridging that sound, right? Like Mm -hmm. in 1999 or whatever, there weren't, there wasn't like a hardcore revival. Hardcore bands were sludgy and slow a lot of the yeah, time. Yeah, because like the eighties hardcore or super was kind of dying out, in, especially in Toronto. Like there wasn't a lot of bands yeah. coming anymore, right? So it was a weird time. <laughs> well, yeah, like when I think of uh, bands in Toronto that were coming through that were like a hardcore type band that were fast, it's like I really only think of like Epitaph Records, pop punk, you know. And then you had bands like Super Suckers and Dwarves and Zeke that, and then that that had like that. The Gaza Strippers used to come by a lot. Gaza Strippers, but that was but a they bit were more like, like Digits was kind of. It almost had more to do with, uh, yeah, John Spencer Blues Explosion that stuff and yeah. you know kind of like slick underground music, but like eighties hardcore style bands. What were even coming in that time? You Not know, yeah, that was a weird time for this. And I think um. I, I, I'm pretty sure every show we did was with Dan Burke, wasn't it? <laughs> like, uh, well, we opened shows? for Kid Dynamite for a, a promoter I can't talk about right now. Yeah. And uh, but I don't know if you were even in the band when we did Kid no, Dynamite. I don't think so. We played with Countdown to Oblivion and uh, Death Threat or something at uh, um, a place called the Lions Club, a uh, vaunted thing. Again, I don't think you were in the band at that no. time. But when you were in the band, yeah, in Toronto we only played for the promoter dan burke yeah and uh various shows with various bands and we did a show that was all dwarves covers yeah. was it mainly yeah mainly at the alma combo and where else did we play with dan i think he was only doing the alma combo at that time right? we played the alma combo i can't think of i mean i know there was a lot of stuff we did before you joined like we played yeah that's true but but the alma combo was definitely a place we played upstairs and downstairs and both of those stages were great. I think I preferred the upstairs. What did you like better, upstairs or downstairs? No, I like the, the upstairs. combo. It was classic. Upstairs was but classic. It sounded great, and it was like it was stuck sideways, so 
if there was like six people in the audience, it felt packed, right? But <laughs> yes, but also if it was packed, it was just mm. like an amphitheater like setup, you yeah. know, kind of. It was really cool. And the the Silver Dollar in Toronto had a really similar setup, yeah. but just so much smaller that it, it was a little more uncomfortable and the sight lines weren't as good. Yeah. You know, but but yeah, we uh, we made our bones on that stage. Great stage, yeah. It was always so messed up when we were done, too. <laughs> so how did you feel when you were introduced into the band Teen Crud Comedy? Did you say, well, what, I'll tell you what am how I joined is that um, we, we used to always spend, well, since we were kids in the city, we used to go to the Record Peddler and Mark used to work there. Right? Famous records. Uh, but, the Record but I, Peddler. This was, I think, um, you know, it used to be over on Carl or college and then it moved over to Queen. Right? No, I no, I thought it was on Young Street. Yeah, it was like young in college. Oh, I see. I do remember that was the, that was the original one. I, I went think. there a couple times. When um, I know uh, the guy from Sacrifice used to work there, um, one of the guys, and uh, yeah, we used to spend a lot of time as kids there. Like you know, we'd go and buy the new Misfits album or just like get. That was the only place you can go really in the city to get good stuff, right? And so I remember walking in, speaking to Mark, and he was like, "Hey, Matt, we're we're not a guitar player. What are you doing?" And I'm like, "Well, I'm not doing nothing." So he's like, "Come and join. Come and jam with us, right?" That was about it. And you're from Scarborough? Well, yeah, I was, I was born and grew up out there. But I kind of moved uh, all over Ontario with my family, pretty much like I kind of went to high school in Markham. Did you have a traveling salesman family? No, just like dad bought property, moved around. We, had, we lived in cottage country for a while, too, like in uh, Balsam Lake and Aurelia. Aurelia? You know where that is? Kind of. It's about an hour and a half up north. It had bad water for the time, if I recall. Yeah, there's been there's a lot of weird stuff that happened up there. There's one time yeah, murders. Do you remember when they had all those dead fish floating? It was all the carps? Kind of. Yeah, there was like thousands of carps. So they the city used to say, "Bring your carps to the side of the road," and we put them in wheelbarrows oh and run to the road. So there was like millions of dead carps. On Missing kid, millions of dead carps. I <laughs> like that. Good, I like that. MDC. <laughs> uh, I didn't know one picked that one up yet. You just did. Sometimes, you know, there's a treat just and it lies on the floor for That's right. decades. That's right. Decades. And you pick it up. <laughs> I mean, story. I don't really know when that would be uh, applicable. <laughs> like something. What, that, what would they sound like? You got to combine a lot of things. You got to be like, I'm thinking of fish and I'm thinking of, I don't know, in the day of Twitter, you know, world wordplay is kind of ruined. Yeah, that's true. Are you on Twitter? Um, yeah, I think I am. I don't know if I've checked in in the last three or four years. I want to let you know that <laughs> you're wearing comfortable pants. This is something I've noticed about you. You yeah. always rock sort of a formal slacks. Maybe that's my old school etiquette. Who knows, right? Are you Italian? No. Serbian? Yeah, part Serbian, part Irish. Oh. I'm half breed, just like you. Yes, I'm <laughs> Irish-Jewish. Do you think... I know it's a deadly combination. <laughs> do you think, are the Serbs uh, discriminated against? Um, I don't remember where they fell. I, I think, well, it's, it is weird because um, you, you, everybody knows what happened in the 90s. But I mean, um, right now, if you go to Serbia, it's ridiculous. It's almost like going to like downtown Manhattan. It's like dance club capital of Europe, right? Well, is it still cheap? Yeah, it's pretty cheap. Beers are cheap. and It was really cheap when there. I went there. But I remember I went there and it was cheap. And like I noticed this thing about poorer nations where food and drink and cigarettes are always like really cheap super cheap yeah but then if you want like nice clothes they're actually as expensive as they would be in yeah another because place. they're probably importing it from america i guess right i guess or europe or... i bought uh thong underwear for men that had like stink lines on the, butt. the beach <laughs> no i bought it i don't know in belgrade or something nice. Belgrade. <laughs> why would you buy that for stage performance oh nice um so 
so you've been a noodling musician for a long so 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 you were at the record peddler we didn't even finish the story about the record oh yeah peddler. sorry um i think uh mark probably we were just talking and he asked me to come play with him because he needed a guitar player so um i do remember when i first showed up i think uh I, I know I've met Allison. I knew I knew. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I met you before. I don't think Maybe we not. Before. I don't think we met, but um, yeah, because it was over at you guys had the studio over at um, Rehearsal Factory at Bathurst and Queen, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is the uh, it was that little room, tiny little room that. Uh, maybe by six by ten. I was over by the rehearsal factory, vaunted Richmond Street. Yeah. Uh, practice. I was just there on Monday. I was just there on the last Tuesday. <laughs> so we never more leave. things change. <laughs> and you know what's funny is I still I had the key from when back then when we had the jam spot. Yeah. And when when I got a new spot there, the key worked. <laughs> so I was like, I, I don't need to. It's only twenty two years. <laughs> Very uh, classic so, uh, Toronto uh, slipshod. Uh... So anybody has a key, you can get it in the front door of the rehearsal factory. Nice. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, that was. Um, I do remember jamming with you guys the first time. It went pretty well. I think I just learned a few tracks. And I think you were just really able to learn fast. Yeah, I was like match the. I was already been playing fast for so many years, so I. Yeah, it, it worked out pretty good. But but yeah, because Allison was always a guitar nerd, so she probably yeah. just was like, "Oh, you're pretty good." And I think you guys probably talked a bit about it. And I don't think you were, like, you're not a condescending guy, but you do this sort of like like fun, like like you you like to be a know-it-all i feel but not in a condescending way about the things you know about you know yeah, what i mean yeah, of course, like so. earlier today you just came in and you said oh yeah i can fix this guitar i'll just do it in a second they charge you 200 dollars <laughs> for this over at the old guitar place and then you fixed it in yeah, a second so you, you know what they call it cashing a check make writing a check that you're ask, asking, asking cash cash <laughs> can cash yeah when it comes to guitar they call fixing, i'm pretty good at that but um yeah, it was a, uh, it was, and it's also you gotta, you gotta remember is that every time you, I've done it a million times when you jam with a band for the first time, especially the first time, you have to have like a little bit of like magic or a little bit of feel immediately because you, like you know. Well, if you don't, yeah, why the hell or, is this happening? Yeah, or just like you just, you can feel it right away if it's bad. <laughs> but that's the funny thing about like bands in small towns and stuff, you know, like a lot of collaborations in smaller communities, it's like. It's harder sometimes. I I assume it would be harder to get the magic, but maybe I'm wrong because of uh, being in such close proximity with people. You're sort of improving at the same time and able to help. Yeah, each or maybe other. they maybe it's more about growing together. Like you know, yeah, like most of the most of the bands that started in the '70s and the Ramones era, they all sucked when they started. So. They just got good. Eventually. And they also, a lot of them knew each other from yeah. very young ages, you know? Like the, the, I don't know if you've heard of the Beatles. Yeah, I've heard of them, yeah. Paul. They yeah. were born, yeah. wasn't it one of those things where at the maternity ward they were next to each other? Yeah, like that's true. Three stooges <laughs> or something. They live next door to each other. <laughs> and, and how did Keith and Mick know it? Their, their moms were friends or, or some or shit? They, um, yeah, I think because uh, Keith was the poor, from the poor part of England, poor yeah. part of England, and Mick was from the rich part. Yeah, Mick, and then Charlie Watts was like, "I like to compare these two people and so <laughs> terms. I'm jazz." And then Brian Jones was like, like Ugh, "I'm an asshole. Let's all ah, why am I in this band? I'm the number one asshole." Uh, you think Brian. you think they killed him? Brian's my favorite. Anyway. You know, Mick. They say Mick killed him. Um, yes, I think so. Why do you think that? <laughs> I just think they allegedly. Was- well, because they were trying to kick him out of the band. I just think it was the easy exit. I mean, I don't trust Nick. Okay, let's go through a list. Yeah, he's a creep. 
let's go through a list here. Um, do you think Robert Wagner did something bad to Natalie Wood? Yes, I believe so. That, what What do you What do you think happened allegedly? Well, I know the story, but um, him and Christopher Walken. So Christopher, let's do this. They're on yeah. the boat. So Robert Wagner is like, "Welcome, Christopher, <laughs> to the boat. the boat. Natalie and I are here. Come on the boat." And then Christopher Walken's like, "I I'll." Okay, <laughs> I'm coming in. <laughs> okay, so when does when does she get thrown over the edge? And then Robert Wagner's like, "Okay, now that you're here, let's throw her over." <laughs> hey, hey, Chris, grab her leg. Oh, grab her. And then Natalie's like, she's like, "I, you know what? You have my permission to throw me." No, over I think I think it, I think you have to you have to probably go back a couple hours to adding alcohol and drugs in the mix, right? And then and some sort of love trying, maybe like. Maybe Christopher Walken got a little too aggressive, and they were—I don't know—who knows, right? Yeah. Maybe there was a cover-up. I don't know. It just seems very strange that you fall off a boat. And JFK. You think? Oh. You remember when Ruby yelled, "I'm a patsy"? Oh yeah, that was. What do you think? There's lots of stories about JFK. CIA. Mm. It's hard to tell, isn't well, it? Well, there was. Mm, it's hard to say about that one. Let's just go to the Misfits album cover, and that'll tell you the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Who killed Kennedy? Who shot JFK? Who shot JFK? Um, what about here's let's think. Moon landing. Um, oh, that's a good one because my grandpa used to be like, Matt, uh, let me tell you a story. The moon landing was a farce, right? This is like in the 70s. I'd be like, explain The moon landing was slapstick. Yes. Well, I know. It was done on a Hollywood set. <laughs> I heard it firsthand from a director. The rocks were chocolate. The, the flag was waving. <laughs> There's no wind on the moon. Is it a coincidence that Neil Armstrong, they had no idea where Paul Newman was the day Neil Armstrong? Because, <laughs> like, you know, Buzz Aldrin, Robert Duvall. Good God. So, um, yeah, that, uh, well, that's fair to say, too. We uh, They say Stanley we, Kubrick we, shot the footage. That's hmm. that's the theory. It does look like his older movies. Though. <laughs> <laughs> the bad um, I mean, how did he know what the breathing sounds like in 2001? Otherwise, <laughs> yeah, the breathing was pretty, uh, it sounded pretty accurate if you're up in space. So we'll see. More hoaxes. Um, do you think, uh, do you, what do you think of uh, Iran Contra? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Oliver North. <laughs> uh, let me think of another one. I, I feel like I'm missing a major hoax, uh, deep state kind of thing um what else is there we've got this area 51 as well area 51 yeah <laughs> what do you think of area 51 mm, well did you see what was that comedy with the alien and the uh, winnebago ted no was it ted spaced invaders no you know with the the, the british chaps in the yeah. winnebago and the oh. alien. <laughs> <laughs> it was like what was that yeah i know what you're talking about Great like movie. eddie or something like it was the movie yeah, that they did after <laughs> Shaun of the Dead and stuff, <laughs> yes. and then they did that one that was like an alien, and they're driving him. Eddie. These guys, I'll tell you, <laughs> they, these, they could do anything. No, they can't. That's the whole thing. European people get in there in in the North American market, and then like their fourth movie is always Chappie or yeah. something, <laughs> you know, or that alien movie. It's like nobody wants that. They want zombies and vampires. Yeah, what's next? Zombies are dying out. What ha what happens after Evil Dead's? I mean, uh, Walking Dead's over. Then what? So after zombies, okay, let's think of it. I'm. How about this? Living storms. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah, imagine Twister, but the hurricane's alive. alive. Yeah. Yeah, but 
They started with Sharknado, which is kind of like the Living Storm. Sort of, but it's it's really just a tornado that has a lot of sharks in yeah, it, right? Which is impossible because shark, well, whatever, maybe not. So, um, so okay, so you joined Team Crud Combo. Yes. We kept you in it and then had our uh, little run. Yeah, wrote lots of songs, I guess. Well, Allison wrote most really, you and Allison wrote most of the songs, but we kind of, Gotta remember when you're in a band, everybody kind of contributes little things as you yeah. work on track. Kind of right? weird, right? Like yeah, nobody, nobody really. Uh, Who really? No one sits down and dictates, right? You and and yet the it. money cut. You can't really do it five ways. Yeah, you can. The Doors did it. Yeah, but look now, John Desmore's poor. Also, there weren't five of them. <laughs> I there were <laughs> four of them. But, but uh, yeah, like I, I guess yeah, you can split five ways if you all agree. But for the most part, the writers actually take the cut, right? Well, actually, the fucking singer—it's like automatically guaranteed what fifty percent half the time because the lyrics. Yeah, if you're if you're working on publishing, it's probably yeah. So so like Mick and Keith would get a hundred percent, and the other guys would get album sales. Is that the deal? <laughs> and and performance rights. Probably. I don't know. Is this interesting Actually, for people know. to know about royalties? I feel yeah. like you should know about royalties. I think yeah. I think in, nowadays, a lot of things are twisting more to paying everybody the same, but but less. No, I think like people splitting in bands is, is a normal thing nowadays. But there are certain bands that will always just stick to who songwriters wrote it, get the publishing, collect the cash, and then give cash out to the other band members, right, or hire them, right? Yeah. Like, I'm sure Lana Del Rey doesn't cop up equal to her band. <laughs> she no. probably collects 99.99%. Are you a fan? She's got a lot of fans. Yeah, I've seen her. I've seen her a few times. It just, it's You've seen her live? I've seen her live three times. Why? Because it's fun. I like her music. How often are you going to shows? <laughs> I go to shows all the time. I, I remember um, the funniest is when I went to see her at the Molson Amphitheater, they closed all the men's bathrooms and they... <laughs> There were too many girls. I was like, where do I go to the bathroom? <laughs> He's like, go like four miles down the road. There's a little shot there. You're like the only guy. <laughs> yeah, I feel like women are like it's the crazy. only people supporting the world financially at this you know, point. Guys are like, whatever, we're not going out. Show. Guys are like, can I borrow a dollar? Which I believe, is that the name of, uh, who did the album called Can I, can borrow, I borrow a dollar? dollar? Is that uh, Dolomite? No. <laughs> you watched the Dolomite movie? Yeah, I did. It was great. I've been talking to then so. about the Dolomite movie. I watched. Podcast. I watched all the. Actually, I had all the originals on VHS. I used to love them. What's I your the, favorite LPs? What's your favorite Rudy Ray Moore uh, film? Would have to be um, maybe Son in Law of the Devil. P.D. Wheatstraw, The Devil's Son in Law. Yes. Yeah, that's a good that one. A that's a really good one. Yeah. I'd say like Dolomite, Human Tornado, P.D. Wheatstraw, Devil's Son in Law. Well, P. Yeah, P.D. Wheatstraw was amazing. But they're all really fun. Even Dolomite, the first one. Oh, it it's good. hilarious. It was good, but it was a little low budget. He got he got better on. Well, yeah, that's the one. But then the worst one was like the last one, the Avenging Disco Godfather. Yeah, that was horrible. That's where he lost all his money. Yeah, and then and then there was the documentary. But yeah, Rudy Moore. He was. I feel like people don't recognize enough that art from the '90s was really influenced by people like Rudy Ray Moore or R. Crumb or oh, yeah. uh, just like disgusting, vulgar shit, you know? Yeah, because like, you got like- Moms uh, Mabley, Red Fox. Because prior to the internet- which was Richard prior to the internet. Right? Prior to the internet, um, Rudy Ray Moore albums were, were the shit when you were young and, and um, Cheech and Chong albums, like when you were kids listening to that, it was ridiculous. You weren't even allowed to even hold that album. Yeah. Album. 
<laughs> now it is like, hey, here's the internet. Look at whatever you want. It's, yeah, it's like, it's uh, hey, uh, this is the inside of your private parts, kids. <laughs> I'm four years old. Should I click on this? Are yeah. you 18 or above? Yes. YouTube is sending something out now where they're like federally enforced to protect children. Uh-oh. So you have to do Scan something. your eyes or something? I don't know. A lot of retina scans. Maybe you have to do a, um, a test before you get on to watch videos. What's the highest security situation you've ever been in? Um, oh, I'll tell you a good one. Um, high security was, I, I flew to, with my girlfriend when I was around, I think it was around 22, mm-hmm. to a place called Turks and Caicos. You know yeah. That? Okay. That was when um, John Cretchen was trying to buy it as a province of Canada. Do you recall that? No. <laughs> was, Canada was trying to buy Turks trying and to Caicos? This deal because it was a, it was still a British colony that mm-hmm. Canada was, was trying to buy it. I don't know if John Cretchen had a deal. I don't remember all the So details. Turks and Caicos, what is that near? Like, uh, where is it? It's like in Caribbean. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I remember they told us you didn't need a passport to fly there. You're going to use your driver's license. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought that was weird, but I was like, okay. So we we did a stop off in Cuba, and then we'd fly to Turks. But um, going there was fine. But on the way back, something happened with the plane. So they, they said everybody needs to get out of the plane, go into the um, airport, this little tiny airport in Cuba, and wait until the plane is fixed wherever you can fly back to Canada. And... Everybody was like, well, we don't have a passport. He said, check in your passports. And they said, okay. And so about 10 minutes later, 20 guys in machine gun showed up, escorted us off the plane into a glass cubicle. It was about maybe the size of like a school auditorium and waited there with the machine guns until we got finished and then put us back on the plane with the guns. <laughs> wow. Because he said, because you guys have no passports, you're illegally touching Cuban soil. Oh, I God. Like, oh, great. Am I going to die here? So um, we found die got, in Cuba. But I mean, that that you would never be allowed to fly without a passport nowadays, but it's very odd. I heard somebody did once recently. Odd. Yeah. I don't know. I had to fly with a temporary passport. I lost my passport in Europe and I had to get this weird piece of paper that was basically like, this guy's got a passport, but this is just temporary. How'd you lose it? Did you lose your fanny pack? (laughs) I I wish I'd had a fanny pack. No, I don't know. We were at like a market in Copenhagen and I lost it. And the band was like, we got to keep driving to make our next show. And I was like, oh, I can't just like go to an embassy right now. No. So it wasn't for like three days that I wound up uh, going to the uh, passport office in um, Den Haag, The Hague, and uh, not the embassy, the Canadian embassy. And I had to be like, yeah, I lost my passport in The Hague. Because <laughs> like, oh there was this weird thing Pretty in the nightmare. EU. I didn't even notice this, but it's like not every country had a Canadian embassy. Because probably because it was the uh, European Union. So, uh, so yeah, I guess you're right. You'd have to travel to find. We were in Denmark, and like the closest one was in the Hague. So there we were, in the Hague. We also played How a much squat. Did you have to pay for that um, big passport. Not as much as you'd think. And then I went home. And uh, we had to leave like two days later. So I had to get a proper passport and then I had to pay out the ass. 500 bucks. No, $200 or <laughs> okay, something and bad. get it the next day. It went cheaper now. Yeah, it's probably. At least, yeah, that, so it only took what? A week to get it? Two weeks? What do you mean? The Is temporary it? passport? No, when you're out there, did you get, did they send you a new one or you had to just fly with that? No, they, they just gave me a new one like the day of. I just like showed up. Really? That makes you wonder why they don't just do that. Yeah, because like I, um, <laughs> Lovely, I guess they'd run out of citizens to get passports. My lovely lady lost her or got her passport stolen in San Diego, and I had to drive to LA. Yeah. Um, to the Canadian paper, pay all this money, 
wait for like four days till they till they made sure it was you and then fly, then drive back to LA, get an LAX flight from there, go back to Toronto. It was a nightmare. It cost like 500, 600 bucks. Yeah, but America is weird that way. They make it hard when you don't think it will. And then other places, and then Europe makes it difficult in other places. Then yeah. you go to some other, I don't know. I went to Africa, I went to Cape Town and the guy there was like, what is your occupation? Like I was accustomed to my passport. He said, what is your occupation? I said, writer. And he goes, will you write about me? And then he just, <laughs> like, he just waves me through. across. <laughs> yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> border guards are pretty funny, actually. Yeah, so so yeah, the, the border is... Uh, now they're saying they can't, without suspicion, uh, look at your laptop or phone. Really? Yeah. I thought they were allowed to open it. Yeah, I don't know what happened from like there, that... That was but, only a few months. That was only like a year ago. A little while ago, they were like, they're going to check your LinkedIn. They're going to check your Twitter. You know, you do not give out your password. You're immediately going into the airport prison. The airport prison. What do you think that's like? Probably not. Smugglers. Yeah, who knows? Han Solo types. Don't you ever watch? Um, what's that? Uh, oh, show? <laughs> the reality show about border guards. <laughs> the border patrol. <laughs> <laughs> the one about Canadian border guards is like it's a great, great way to fall asleep. Oh, yeah. it's great. <laughs> Nothing going on. Hey, oh, thank you for listening to my talk with Matt Hutch. We're just in the middle of it, of course. And I just wanted to let you know, again, if you do want to support the podcast, you could go to wrongholemusic.bandcamp.com, uh, buy one of our records on uh, from there, uh, or go to nickflanagan.bandcamp.com, pick up my album there, or even best, you could go to ko-fi.com slash nickflanagan. Link is in the show notes, as is my Patreon slash nickflanagan site and those are ways you can support monthly or one time and it is so helpful oh my god anyway uh working on getting merch together working on getting some secret fun things for you know the uh new year that is coming right up 2020 okay i gotta go but you know check that out and enjoy bye um so, so you said you had facts about Teen Chord Combo in our oh, in yeah. our recording awesome. of the album Judgment Night Soundtrack Part Two. Our album was called Judgment Night Soundtrack Part Two, Do you have and a copy? Uh, came out in 1999. I don't have it. I okay. can't just pick it up right now. It's downstairs. All right. And uh, shout out to Eric the Dorian, the comedian who has an album called Nebraska Two. Nice. So he's got like the that. right idea. Facts. <laughs> facts of the Teen Chord Combo. Very awkward. We recorded the seven inch. And then someone, and then this, I guess, Deranged Records was like, someone paid for Wait, our album. Like, I thought, was it one, I thought Richard Black, Switzer? Black Lung did not put the first one out. Black Lung paid for the seven inch, Black Lung Records paid for the seven inch that had like three or four songs on it, those yes, recordings. Correct. And then I think Richard Switzer, this, uh, he was like our guardian angel. Yeah, we met him at the, um, what's that club, remember? We, me the, and Allison went there. Rivoli? No, the little club. Uh, Cameron House? Cameron House. And then uh, he was friends with Danko Jones. And Danko Jones will figure into this story later. Yes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so so Richard, thank you. We can't thank you enough. And Pete Hudson recorded it. We'll get into that later, too. We recorded it at Hallam Music, a long gone but wonderful space to record music in Toronto. Yeah, it was a little so, basement just off of, um, I believe it was John Street in Richmond area right there, right? Mm-hmm. And um, Peter, yeah, Pete Hudson. It was a very cool studio. You had like all of the albums. Peter Street, but also so Peter had, Hudson. We had that big board with the two, in, and it was it was all 
all analog the way it should be. Analog, baby. <laughs> Two inch tape. None of this digital shit. Okay, so let me list off some of the things I wrote here. Mm-hmm. Okay. So first thing, um, yeah, so when we went there, I, I don't remember how much we paid, but it wasn't very much. It couldn't have been more than 500 bucks, right? I don't, I don't think. think we paid. I mean, I think that Richard at least paid for half of it. The album record? Yeah. Okay, so maybe we paid three hundred. That's sounds, say we <laughs> sounds paid about right. I know Pete wasn't uh, harassing us for a lot of money, but and no. I think we recorded it in one day anyway. So and mixed it the next day. No. Did we, yeah, we did one day of recording. Wow. No, one day, and I know. Um, did we mix it the same day? I think we did a separate mixing day, right? But I do remember only one day recording, right? But anyway, um, when I was speaking with Pete. He kind of said, well, what do you guys want to do about the tape? And we're like, oh, well, I don't know. We'll just set up a tape. We were stupid, right? And he said, no, you have to buy it, a two-inch tape. Like, you get 35 minutes on a reel-to-reel, whatever, 24-track, two-inch. And and I was like, okay, well, that sounds good. How much is that? Like, I figured it would be like 50 bucks, but it was like 300 and something for a new tape. Right, so you're like doubling yeah, so I was like, our well, cost immediately. Oh, we, we don't have $300. He's like, well, I'll tell you what. Um, I got some tapes here. I called a bunch of people. No one picked them up. You can use one of these. And I was like, well, let's use this one. He goes, that was Danko Jones' old old recordings. And I was like, okay, let's just tape over that. So we taped over <laughs> Danko Jones' recordings to, to record Teen Card Cabo. And yet it was because of Danko Jones in a roundabout way that we even had the money to record it all. And it's kind of Sound King Records. That if, was If you uh, actually Richard's went back and listened label. to the actual tape when we were mixing, you could kind of hear stuff in the background, like, um, bleeding in, which is probably just the old recordings he did or demos. I want to rock with you. <laughs> rock with you, baby. Rock with you. Rock with you, mama. But uh, yeah, that was pretty funny. I, I do remember, like, there's a couple things I remember, like, um, Pete had an old, uh, like, 20 inch, like, black and white TV with a VHS. Mm-hmm. And they would just play, like, Duran Duran VHSs downstairs while you were waiting. And he had that little sound booth. But he did have a pretty big, uh, recording area in the back remember we had that little sound booth yeah there was a huge space and the music felt very nice in that space and my friend andrew's studio palace sound has a bit of that vibe bit. yeah because we i know we went in and just kind of blasted it out but then i do remember and there were a lot of overdubs yeah i do remember we uh like guitar overdubs and yeah stuff. we went in and did some solo overdubs and fixed mm-hmm. a few things allison basically. was all about shredding yeah and then, and then you were about shredding but you were like like allison would be like super meticulous about it and you'd be just like do that like music prodigy thing where you'd be like no i can do it yeah, i don't i don't uh study so i'll just do it on the fly that's my thing yeah. like miles yeah. miles <laughs> the only way to go. miles prower like tr- tales from the sonic and oh miles davis yes that's who i studied hey i'm miles davis i'm miles davis and i'm a, I'm a futuristic kind of guy how are you i'd like to i i'm the perfect guy to take to a movie theater He's a whisper. Hey, bitch. No, nope. we can't. No, nope. this is getting problematic <laughs> already. Say that. okay. No, that's that's in the book. I'm just reading. Yeah, he book. does say bitch in the book. I was more um, speaking about like as soon as you said bitch, suddenly I felt like you were throwing a little stank on your voice, as they say, and I felt uncomfortable. Okay, <laughs> sorry to make you feel uncomfortable. Uh, anyway, let's continue. Can't be helped. Um, okay, so do you remember? Um, do you remember doing vocals while we recorded the? Or, or doing them after did you not record them while we played i think i did i think i recorded it, them while i played and then i think we might have had to uh redo them i think that's why it was probably i feel like it was more than a day of recording because there's really no way i nailed like nine no vocal yeah, tracks i know and... how you did it because 
I think when we did it live off the floor. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you did. You were in the little booth, right? And yeah. it didn't sound that good. So yeah. he got you to stand by yourself in the middle of the room while we all laughed at you. And you did all the songs by yourself. Because all we could hear coming through was just your vocal. Uh -huh. But you could hear the music. So we were on the ground in stitches because it sounded so ridiculous. Because right, yeah. all we could hear is you screaming. And then we'd be like, that's good, Nick. And then you'd mix day. it. And then you'd mix it. And you'd be like, oh, that actually is good. Yeah, that's actually pretty good. It's really one of the recordings. <laughs> One of the most consistent sounding recordings my vocals had, but that was back when they were young. Yeah, you didn't warm up or anything, I think, back then. I don't even know if I would warm up now. I did this Brutal Nights, like, you know, covers practice the other day, and I was like, I didn't warm up. I just jumped into it. Didn't you um, just memorize everything at one point, too? Memorize what? All the lyrics. To Brutal Nights? To Teen Crud. Like, I didn't know them. I don't think you had a book, so you must have memorized them. I'm sure I memorized yeah. them. Yeah. I mean, these are... I'm sure Brutal Nights you would have memorized too, right? Mostly, yeah. Our last record was very... Uh, uh, it was like, I didn't... I wasn't present for, like, the writing of any of the music. Just I the wasn't words. present for the recording of any of the music. <laughs> what happened? Is that the I, one I bought from the garage? I though? did the vocal. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I did the vocals at uh, our drummer's house. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And it sort of sounds that way, but I don't mind how it sounds that way. Did you, for some reason, when I bought that album from your garage sale, The Brutal Nights, I think it's the... Um, Blown to Completion, yes, our final but record. it had a Killer Elite 7-inch in it. Oh, lucky <laughs> you. That, was it part <laughs> it's of the a bonus, I'm like, I guess. Is this the same band? <laughs> Killer sure. Elite was my other band. It had, had the little um, tiger on the front. Andrew was in that band. Yep. That was Actually, I, the funny thing is now I have two because I already bought that one. Guys were playing. Wow, so you can put it on eBay? Yeah, I'm going to put it on um, Discogs. It'll probably catch me at least 30 or $40. You know, Discogs you doesn't it? let you do uh, bootlegs on it. That's not I'll a sign That's it. That's a yeah. new one. No, but I'm just saying, in case you get any of You're going to get the, all of the original band members to sign the little <laughs> seven, seven Do you ever have people come up to you and say, were you in Team Crud Combo? No, they don't say that. <laughs> do you? Uh, not since this one time in Italy. <laughs> well, it's funny because I'm still yet to see... Um, a Teen Cry Combo album at a used record store, so maybe the people are holding on to them. I feel like I have. Have you? But I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what happened to them. We there... only had a few copies. I think we only they only printed fifty or hundred. Right? No, no, it's more than thirty. No, more, more hundred. Yeah. Okay, I don't remember. So, how do you cope with the perils of day to day life? Um, what gets a Matt Hutch through the lots day? Lots of meditation and lots of music. What kind of meditation? Um. um Semi-transcendental meditation studied by David Lynch when you were young. Like you read that book? Yeah, I read his books and started kind of studying some of that stuff. But it's good because... Uh, Did you pay the money? You know what it is? Um, no. Do you know what it is? Is that um, meditation helps when you're writing music and lyrics. Because you get stuck and sometimes you just got to like chill out, calm yeah. down, relax. Hey. It's good for everything. Actually. Hey, we're on the same page. When you're playing with your cat, you have a little uh, meditation with your cat. I do lots right? of meditation. Yeah. I love it. But I haven't done it for a while. But uh, yeah, med and I also should do some sort of like hybrid TM that someone told me, but they're not supposed to tell you. So I just, I, I would pay the money, but it's a lot of money. So you know what the best, best form of meditation is? Um, Charity. Pumping iron. Pumping iron. That's <laughs> what they say. It is good because I have a big giant Arnold Schwarzenegger encyclopedia that I bring with me and I just like do some, I do the exercises, but uh, it's such a great book because it was like, it's like the size of a giant encyclopedia, but it's written by Arnold himself. Can you do a Schwarzenegger <laughs> impression for me right now? I could now? do one. If uh, <clears throat> this is direct from the book. It is okay 
to lift weights with gloves only if you're a musician, if not your girly man. Is that what he really says, exactly in the book? says in the book? He says, I'll try it now. pump the iron with the book, the gloves on, because then there you must be a musician because your fingers are important. <laughs> I think that that's uh, my Arnold. Do you have to do any other impressions? Uh, not really, no. What about, can you do uh, Kevin Costner in Robin Hood? No, no, I can't do that. <laughs> Hello, or give to the poor, and <laughs> you take from the rich. Can you do a David Bowie Labyrinth impression? Yeah. <laughs> that's he, he's like, there's the little girl. Oh, I'm looking for the little girl. <laughs> do you think Bowie will... You, how many of these uh, 70s guys do you think allegedly did really bad things to people who didn't know any better? Probably Young David people. Bowie did some bad things. I'm think, do you think he ever threw a, th- a five-year-old girl out the window? Held a, held a, held a baby out the window? <laughs> yeah, do you think he ever... <laughs> what, do you remember the uh, Neil Hamburger show you did? Where he did that joke? Why does he... Why did Michael Jackson hold the baby? <laughs> yeah, I have that joke. Where was that? And Neil Hamburger. Had Where that was joke. that show? Was that the um, Elma Combo? I have performed with Neil Hamburger. The Elma yeah, it was the Elma Combo, you and Neil Hamburger. Right? Protecting baby. That would have been 2000. And... That was my punchline for that joke. When I made it, he said, I somehow said that he was protecting the baby. I don't remember why. <laughs> this was a little different. It maybe was something like, anyway, I don't want to get into it. What did you, did you see Finding Neverland? Um, yes, I did. Did you like it? I kind of knew that. Yeah, no, I didn't like this. Movie. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> I, anybody I say didn't like it? It's I don't want. Top 10 I don't want my image of Michael Jackson to <laughs> be ruined. <laughs> ruined. Beat it. That's why I didn't watch the R. Kelly one. It's why I didn't watch uh, Schindler's List. Not on the top of my list for movies. What do you think was on the top of Schindler's List? Do laundry. <laughs> and then after that, it was save these guys. Get my watch back. <laughs> get guys. get watch. Freaking Nazis. Did you like that movie for the wrong reasons? Schindler's? Yeah, that was all right. I liked it. You know what I liked better was... Uh, Jacob the Liar? Piano. I never saw... The Pianist. You're talking pianist, about The Pianist. Yes. The Piano is the one with oh, yeah, like, Harvey Keitel's yeah, dick. that was good, too. <laughs> you tattooed Harvey Keitel <laughs> from the jungle. Harvey Keitel. Could Little Harvey, man. Did Harvey Keitel play the piano? Was it him or the other girl? I think it was a girl. I think it was like every time Holly Hunter played oh, the piano, right. he would like... I don't know. Come out of the jungle. Come out of the jungle and be like, we, But you remember um, <laughs> Harvey Keitel in his best role, Taxi Driver, playing the pimp? Yes, <laughs> oh, that was. Great. You know why that was good? Because of his long hair. Yeah. And he he yeah, had that weird just, long just hair. Just his attitude, the way he stood in that. It was just freaking hilarious. Right? Also, I don't know what the deal is with Harvey Keitel and Robert De Niro, because like early on in their career, they were like working together a lot. And then you did, yeah. never really saw them working together. I think after um, Bad Lieutenant, stop working together well he wasn't in de niro wasn't no in i saw that it was like i don't want to work with him <laughs> <laughs> i don't know bad lieutenant was a pretty good performance by harvey yeah, i remember watching that uh, i think it was at the blur cinema are you gonna see the irishman yeah of course i'm seeing it in the Why theater it's four hours is it four hours it's apparently just under four hours i can't wait to see it jimmy hoffa and uh apparently uh, a woman has one line of dialogue in the film so really that's it just one yeah Interesting. Yeah. Then that would be this would be the first time that Pacino and De Niro have worked together since Heat. 
Yes. Not Do you think they're going to have a similar scene in a diner? Uh, I would say not a diner, but they, they must have a scene together. Where Pacino goes, if it comes down to it, <laughs> we're going to have to rumble. <laughs> That's right. It's going to be me or you. Yeah, and then Nero goes, I'm telling you, it's not going to be nice. If, <laughs> but you know, gave the, you know who gave the best performance in that movie was uh, Henry Rollins, obviously. And he, not <laughs> Val, Val Kilmer. Heat is a weird-ass movie. I know. It was like, I can't even say I liked it, but mm-hmm. it was kind of good in places. But People uh, loved Heat when yeah. it came out. You know, yeah, people loved Michael great. Mann for such a long time, and now he's sort of, I feel like people don't care anymore. Yeah, he was people. big when it came out, you're right. Everybody's waiting. Couldn't wait for De Niro and Pacino to get together finally. Matt, Matt Hutch, I feel like this is a little mini fun episode. Is there anything you'd like to sort of wrap it up with? Hmm, let's see. Yeah. Uh, Team Crud, I went through my list. Anything else on the list I want to talk about? Um, Pete, what else do I got on here? Recording. We never gave Pete. We never gave Pete oh, Hudson yeah. a copy of Let's our album. That. We have to apologize to Pete because I saw him at um, a re- at a music store and he said to me, "Thanks for not giving me a copy of the album after I recorded it." Yeah, I can't believe we didn't do that. How did Allison not do that? How did I think, think of giving. Do you know what it was? We just didn't put the album out for a while. I think it actually came out after we broke up, so we recorded a long time before it came out. So yeah, I think that's that true. that's what happened, but that's no excuse. I know and he friends, spent all the time recording and gave us a deal and did all the amazing shit and we didn't even give him a record. I make this <laughs> mistake all the time. You got to hook up the people with the stuff if they help you. So be good. So if you're listening, Pete, we apologize. We're going to come and drop you a record. Off. Do you want to play a quick round of uh, what's going on on your guitar? Not the Marvin Gaye song, but the What's Up, you know, by Four Non Blondes. No, I don't know that song. Okay. Do you want to play, do you have any Bob Dylan songs? No, I don't want to do any. Oh, where have you been, my blue-eyed son? And where did you go? What about, can you play uh, Down by the River? How about we end this one? Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. No stairway. Thank you. Good night. And that was my talk with Matt Hutch. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, have yourself a merry little Thursday, if you're hearing this on a Thursday, or whatever day it is if you're not hearing this on a Thursday. I think you're great. I hope you're enjoying the winter times. It's 420. You know what that means. Let's do it. Bye. Nick. Flanagan. Weekly. Nick. Flanagan. Weekly.